Air Gunners, near and far. Imagine an open canvas to create the target presentation you've always wanted. Here it is, the center of the erector set for ranges. Quickly attach lengths of three quarter inch conduit to common T-posts for an easy up, easy range. Grab yourself some T-posts at your local hardware or home store. A bit of conduit, even the legs off your quickie set. You'll be ready to fly some pellets in no time. Reusable, durable, and tough. The Target Forge way. Also, check out the Range Erector Set. Mega, standard, and basic. Also, remember, Airgun Geeks, use Super Geek 10 to save 10% on your order. Check them all out at TargetForge.net. And welcome, Airgun Geeks, to another fantastic podcast. Today's podcast is Slugs, Pellet, and the Pursuit of Power. Bill, how you doing today? I'm doing amazing, Patrick. That's good to hear. Is it still sunny in California? It is. It's typically always sunny here in California, <laughs> um, to the point where we don't get enough for that rain stuff. But um, it does allow me to get a lot of stuff done, and my range is typically never closed. It actually closes more for an abundance of sunshine than it does for an abundance of rain. Yeah, that is an issue out there at this time of the year. Yeah, think things are going well on my end. Work is, of course, busy. Podcast is busy, answering all the emails and having fun. Uh, excited about the uh, Facebook page. We are growing like crazy. I saw someone spilled Miracle Grow on the on the Facebook page. Uh, so I'm excited about all the conversations, and I know you and I have been chatting about them over the past couple of weeks of all the dialogue and the culture that think. Thank, I'll, I'll just say thank God made it into the into the pot into the podcast and into the uh, Facebook page, and it's just nothing but peace, love, and joy, and enjoying air guns and talking air guns, and it's just it's like a safe zone, if you would, you know. <laughs> Don't ask a question unless you want a billion answers. <laughs> now what's you know get ready there, but uh, it's exciting. You know, there's a lot going on. I'm just overwhelmed and a little flapper at the jaw right now, so. But uh... now on that topic of interesting questions that have come up in the Facebook group, I'd like to touch on one very briefly. Mm -hmm. And it was a fellow who had said, uh, hey, he's got this Crossman rifle. Where can he pick up some either open sights for it or or perhaps a red dot? And a lot of people were throwing out, you know, ideas and it was. It was actually, he was looking at putting a, a sight on a 1377. Mm -hmm. And I I kind of got involved with that because I have spent a lot of time with red dots. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't know before was that there are two choices when you're looking at a red dot. One of them is a more reflex design, typically with the viewing window that is sticking out on the top of the site and the red dot appears in that window. Mm -hmm. And the other one being the tube type design where you're actually sighting through the tube <clears throat> to, uh, to acquire your target image. And what I learned uh, talking to some of the amazing scope vendors that were available and very open to talk at RMAC this past year um, the reflex type red dots 
are far less prone to parallax error than their tube-bearing cousins. Really? Yeah. So what that means to the shooter is that if your eye registration in the eye box is not very consistent, you're going to get target errors based on that red dot. Now, red dots typically are not considered um, precision aiming optics because there's typically no magnification involved. But you can get some really nice red dots that have a one MOA dot that is a very precise little pinprick of red light in the center of that scope that can allow for some fairly accurate shots. But if you're using it for pesting, like I do, my go-to pesting gun is a really custom Crossman Woodswalker mm-hmm. in, in Realtree uh, from Crossman at, with the Realtree. And then I added a folding M4 stock on that for the carbine treatment because honestly as a pistol um <laughs> i think it's a bit of a stretch to mm-hmm. call the the, the p-rod the Woodswalker, or the 1720 I, all of those share a lineage in size and packaging and to call any of them a true pistol i think is a bit of a stretch and i really love it as a carbine it is my go-to testing rig around the farm here. And I estimate it has executed a number of rats that would get into my chicken feed, bother my dogs, do all kinds of shenanigans. And it has a red dot on it. And it's a relatively inexpensive reflex red dot. And the only two things I would recommend for somebody looking for a red dot for pesting or for plinking in the backyard is that you look for a reflex design and you try to find one that has auto shut off because I don't know if it's just me or what, but I am notorious for leaving that stupid thing on <laughs> and then not shooting it for mm. a couple of weeks. And then I pick it up to go shoot it again. And I'm like, Oh crap. That's another freaking lithium coin cell. That I got to replace in that. And, you know, honestly, the the better scope you put in that position, the more features it's going to have and the better optical image it's going to present to you. So don't be afraid to spend a little extra money because you're probably going to save that on CR2032 coin cells. Mm. That you're going to feed that less expensive optic. Um, and the other part is, the reason that parallax issue is important is because if you're shooting a pistol and you're not really disciplined the way a bullseye shooter would be disciplined in terms of your your position between your eye and the gun is very consistent and it's always the same because you're always shooting the same target at the same height. Um, when you're talking about pesting and the dynamics involved, and this plays more to your strengths, Patrick, than my own, you don't know how that shot's going to take place. You don't know Mm -hmm. what your rest is going to be. You don't know where your position in the eye box is going to be. So to minimize that parallax error, do look at the reflex red dots and 
and get out there and shoot some rats in the face because they deserve it. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Bill. I God, I hate those things. Yeah, yeah. You, you know who also likes to shoot rats uh, is Joe. Joe Dorian from the... Uh, oh, man. Next he, time I come out, I'm going to have to bring my rat rig with me, and he and I will have to go someplace and annihilate some rats. I, I will have to get him on the podcast and have you tell him tell the stories of his raptors that just stare at the rats that come in their, their uh, sleeping quarters, their cages, and do nothing. And they're like, oh, what is that? So, <laughs> well, like my boy Henson here, he, he doesn't want to eat that crap. No, probably not. No, I, rabbit is good eating, rats, not so much. I know, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, I didn't know that. that that's pretty interesting because I'm thinking of putting one on my uh, my leshy for close, close range stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, for quest for really fast target acquisition. And um, I used to use it for speed shooting as well. Mm -hmm. My wife and I used to run a uh, um, 22 caliber a bowling pin league mm. in Illinois at the club we belonged to there. And we participated in a lot of, uh, of speed metal shooting events as well. And red dots just rule. They rule for, for speed shooting because you don't get that, uh, that limited field of view that you do with a, with a telescopic optic. Correct. Correct. All right. So the topic of today's podcast, slugs, pellet, and the pursuit of power. Yes. Hmm. Now we've touched on this in past podcasts. Correct. But it wasn't with you, Bill. That was with That's Adam true. and I. That's so true. What, it, what is your perspective on all of this? I'm curious. Well, it's interesting that you ask that because... When I was at the Pacific Air Gun Expo, a young chap associated with uh, some element of distribution on AEA guns, mm -hmm. which are there, there, most of them are not backyard friendly. Uh, they are producing energy levels that are that are 60, 75, 100 foot pounds of energy. And the amount of air following those projectiles out of the bore is going to catch somebody's attention when it goes off. Um, and he made a comment to me. He came over to my targets. He's looking at all my targets. He's like, hey, well, don't you have anything that will handle, you know, more powerful air guns? And I, I said, no, no, son, I don't. Um, the firearms company has been making those for years. and I don't, I don't want to compete with them. I'm, I'm here for the air gun community. Uh, and I think he he really felt that the air gun industry was going in a direction where it was all about more power, more more energy downrange. And I I it got me to thinking a lot about this thirst for power. I mean, this this is not something new to America, right? Yeah. I mean, it it gave birth to the to the hot rod here in America where we took jalopies, we took as much metal off of them as we could. We put the biggest, most powerful engine we could get out of the junkyard in that thing. We took it out to the salt flats and we, and we tried to, to beat record after record after record. And it started this kind of tractor of bigger, better, faster. And, you know, if you look at the American development in the automotive world, when we got to the 60s, it was insane, the level of competition about power in that world. 
And the British were over there like, you guys are idiots. Why don't you just make the car lighter? Mm -hmm. and, and, and they did that successfully. And they had great handling, really sporty cars. Although most of their engines were kind of bad. But that's that's me being nitpicky. But we're seeing the same thing happen in the air gun world right now. And I don't know that I buy into this notion that everybody wants more power. Because I can tell you, I certainly do not. I appreciate my air guns because I can mess around with the ballistics of that projectile launching device very easily without a reloading bench, without experimenting with different types of powder and all of the things that go into hand loading. I'm very experienced in hand loading. I have some very nice presses. But honestly, I just want to go, I want to go shoot things really, really, really accurate and don't catch the ire of my neighbors. And today's precision adult air rifles absolutely fulfill that niche for me. And I'm sure that I am not alone in this and that there are lots of people out there in the air gun world who don't want more power, who don't you know, they, they don't want to have to go to the rifle range to practice. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why we started using air guns in the first place, right, Correct. as adults? Yeah, yeah, so definitely. We, we could use them in our backyards, and we could, we could, um, we could play and and actually enjoy shooting as more of a Zen activity, more of the art of marksmanship, and what it means to us philosophically and mentally. And that may be getting a little deep here, but. Um, I recently saw on arguably one of the largest firearms YouTube channels in existence and uh, bless him for his success in that arena. For him to have the success level that he enjoys on a platform that clearly does not really want him there, but because he's so successful, I think four and a half million subscribers it's kind of tough for them to get rid of him mm -hmm. uh but he featured some uh 70 some odd caliber um aea guns that were beautiful pieces of workmanship and engineering i'm not taking away from them in any way yeah that'd be the zeus yeah but what got me was he was shooting up ballistic dummies with those which are designed to um, mimic human tissue and he was penetrating through an entire human torso and creating so much trauma in that wound channel that it obviously would have led to death quite easily and you know if you ever watched archer on adult swim hmm. um you know, hey, do, do you want roaches? This is how you get roaches. Hey, do you want restrictions and regulation? Because this is how you get restrictions and regulation. Um, when people start to make the connection that our air guns are performing at or above the level of certain firearm calibers, <clears throat> you know, we just might get lumped in there uh with the with the firearms community and start having to fight the battles that they've been fighting for hundreds of years 
Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't fight there. I, I'm absolutely all about that fight. I'm all about 2A rights and everything else. I'm just kind of saying that, hey, um, we need to we need to be smart about how we roll this stuff out in front of John Q. Public. I agree. Now, I'm sure that there aren't a lot of subscribers to this YouTuber's channel that are profoundly anti-gun, although I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he's got a number of people that sit there and watch him and then pound away on the keyboard. Oh my God, he did this. Oh my God, he did that. I, I have to believe that stuff exists. I see the trolls on my little YouTube channel. I can imagine what he's got to deal with at his level. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, not trying to be a pansy here. not trying to say that, you know, more power is not definitely cool because I absolutely believe that air guns being able to take large game in the hunting world is absolutely amazing. And I absolutely support Chris Turek and all the work that he's done at getting firearms or actually air guns involved in harvesting large game and changing laws in a way that is meaningful for us air gunners. Correct. But I'm not sure I'm, I'm think we're going in the right direction with how yeah. we're, how we're spinning this, but I could be all wet. No, Patrick, I, I agree. What, what do you think? I, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. You're, you get these big channels and they start showing everyone what this big air gun can do, the Zeus, the 50 cal, all of this. Um, and it's like, I'm, I get a little concerned. Yes, there's a, there's a purpose. You know, what's your purpose? And yeah. if you want to take certain animals in certain arenas, they have foot pounds of energy requirements. Sure. Like, for example, I'm, I think I remember um, elk in Colorado. You need 1,000 foot pounds of energy. Mm-hmm. To go for elk. Okay, that that's fine. But do we need to broadcast, especially in the climate that we have? Now, I'm not trying to get political or anything like that. But we got to be a little careful right now, you know. Is there a place for it? Yes. Is there a need for it? I'd go with yes. Um, do you need all that power? No. I don't think you need all that power all the time. It's uh, Big bore air gunners is a, is a whole nother niche of air gunning. Sure. And... Sure. I classify 30 and 30 and 35. So nine millimeter as like a middle range type, uh, caliber, uh, till you get to, you know, your 45s and up. Um, I have some thirties, but that's for a specific reason. It's for bigger nuisance animals that I'm going after. Um, but most of the time I'm, I'm running pellets, uh, 22, uh, same with the 30, I'm, I'm running, you know, pellets there too. Um, I do have an impact that is specifically for slugs, but that's a long range gun. It's got a specific purpose. Um, but I don't have anything big because one, like you said, noise, the sound, the sound decibels are a lot higher, even suppressed, still mm-hmm. loud. Oh, two, yeah. you have gobs of energy. So now you really have to control your backstop or know what it is. So you don't deal with a ricochet, even a pellet. But we're, as soon as you hit 40, 40, 45, um, even 257, we're we're in bullets. If it doesn't look like a Diablo pellet one way or another, it's a bullet. Now we've totally changed everything. 
that's going to hit and go how far? You know, so if it's not a dead stop in your backstop, you got a problem. That's why I don't shoot slugs around one of the uh, clients I have because there's ponds and if I hit water, that's that's no good. So that's why I stay with pellets. Um, and we got in the air gun. Well, I got in the air guns because I didn't want to worry about necessary horrible ricochets and long distance projectiles flying all over the place and things like that. And I want it quiet, you know. Most of the time, for what most of us are doing, 20, 25 foot-pounds is more than enough. Generally, sure. 15 to 18 is, is, is more than sufficient. And I think the pellet offers some unique characteristics. You know, I, I, I had somebody, we were talking about the, um, the new slugs from H&N with Herard. Oh, uh, yeah. Promoting those and... You know, we're seeing the new amazing um, slugs from Patriot yep, yep. and and Zan and all of these these guys that are and the guys that have been producing mm -hmm. incredible slugs also. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, you got NAS? Nielsen. You got Nielsen. Yes, Nielsen. So NSAs and, and the guys that make the um, the hybrids for FX. Oh, uh, Rat Sniper Slugs <clears throat> was the original company. Those yeah, those are those are groundbreaking, groundbreaking mm -hmm. projectiles. And they're pushing this science towards slugs along at an amazing rate. And somebody made a comment to me that, you know, oh, I think I think they're not going to be pellets in a couple of years because slugs are getting as accurate as pellets have been known to be. And I again I'm like, well, hold on there, cowboy. <laughs> Let's Let's take a look at this. I, I appreciate the pellet mm -hmm. because it slows down so quickly. Yep. You can utilize that if you understand the, the design of that and you can utilize that for your purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I can be sure that when I, when I put that Hades pellet through a rat at 10 yards in my barn, I'm not going to go all the way through it bounce it off the concrete and stick it in the butt of one of my donkeys. It's not going to happen. Nope. All of its energy is going into that rat and, and it probably won't even over penetrate. Uh, so the pellet still has a role. It still has a purpose. And by gosh, uh, it still has pretty amazing accuracy when you get the right pellet mm -hmm. and the right barrel together. Um, and I'll tell you, that is just, that geeks me out completely, you know, being able to to sit there and shoot through the same hole, um, you know, and just appreciate that accuracy level. Now, slugs are slugs are definitely closing the gap, and I think it's we understand that subsonic uh, flight dynamic of those projectiles more and more. Um, we're getting better at better at this. I, I was really intrigued by a conversation between Steve from AEAC and PJ. Mm. And they made, a, they made a comment that their observation where they were so fixated on extreme spread and deviation in velocity that they kind of got laser focused on that parameter. And one or both of them commented on noticing that they have seen guns that didn't have stellar extreme spread or standard deviation that were still producing 
incredible accuracy at 50 yards. So, you know, I think a lot of our understanding is still yet to come in this sport and with with our pellets and with our with our slugs. And I'm not knocking slugs in any way. If I want ballistic coefficient that is going to keep that power lethal at 150, 200 yards, if I've got a coyote that I can't get called in any closer, by gosh, slugs are going to do that job for me. Um, I will say that for my coyotes here, at least the ones that have exposed themselves on my farm, um, I haven't had one yet that wasn't within pellet range when I when I triggered the boomstick, and that's a that's an FX Mark II uh, in thirty caliber, and it it does the job. It puts them to sleep pretty quick, and I again I only have five acres here. Uh, land in California is um, made out of solid gold, and all I've got is five acres to play with, so I can't afford, um, you know, four or five hundred yards of energy being carried past the target. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my stand on that. And Patrick, I know you've you've got you you own a business that actually relies on a lot of the parameters that lower power air guns offer you. Mm-hmm. And they definitely have a function for you as well. Yeah, and there's an aspect that you there's an aspect that you haven't talked about. Shot count. Uh, when you yeah. start pushing, very valid, very valid indeed. When you start pushing slugs, they need a lot more air. So now you are getting with a pellet, same caliber, same grain, same everything. A hundred shots. Now you're shooting a slug. You're lucky to sometimes 40, 50 shots. I will tell you that my crown in 177, and I've got it. It's literally right at the edge of 20 foot pounds legal for for 100 field target. I'm getting 135 shots per fill on a 480 bottle Mm. and i thought about putting a 580 on there just to be a jerk because then i would literally i I still don't have i can go to a match i can go to a field target match i can shoot all the practice i can shoot the entire match and still have enough air to probably do it all over again (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the 580 would literally just be overkill but i i bring an air bottle with me to those matches and bring it around on my cart not for me, but for somebody else who might need a refill during the mm-hmm. during the event. But um, yeah, you're right. That that shot count is something that I glossed over completely. And thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, it, it goes to pot. <laughs> it goes to pot <laughs> real quick. And you're oh, yeah. like, wow. That's why if you watch uh, Rolf with AirTac and he pulls out Fat Bastard, that's literally the name of the rifle. Two huge tanks on it because it's pushing... Uh, I think he's pushing 40 grainers now with it, at least the 36, the 40s, because that's like the strongest one he has. It's still, I mean, he shoots and you just shit. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I can hear that through the microphone. That's consuming a lot of air. And those, he might be running 300 bar tanks. I'm not sure, but I mean, that that's a big thing. So... I, I want to go out, like you said, go to a competition. That's why I bought the gun I bought, because I don't want to refill. 
and I can go pew, pew, the whole practice and then go shoot and then I'm fine. Um, you know, you don't want to stand there, especially if you're a hand pumper. You know, no, you God. hand pump your bottle gun. You want a lot of shots because that's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice to, heck, you got the sub 12 guys. They could go through a tin of pellets, you know, 500 shots on one tank, you know, and the power thing that costs things. And even with the cars, what they consume fuel like crazy. Well, sure. The fuel, the fuel here is air. The fuel here is your physical energy. If you're hand pumping or not everyone has a four wheeler like you with a fantastic fill system on it. You know, or someone that's gracious enough to bring a bottle with them, you know, to help them fill their stuff up. So it comes into, you know, what's your purpose, you know, but I don't know what the craze is. I mean, accuracy is good. Like PRS. Fantastic. Let's get guns, air guns that can do that. Creates a new sport. <laughs> we're, we're bringing people over from the firearm side to air gunning, uh, you don't have to worry about ears necessarily, you know, it's, it's a very interesting topic and it's a pretty hot topic here in the, in the United States. I don't know so much about slugs overseas. And, and I remember many times like Frederick with uh, FX air guns. Oh, it is all this slug talk <laughs> and, you know, but he supported Matt Dubber and well, he ran with it and look at where we're at. And it's it's very interesting to see where we're at. Uh, also, where South Africa's at, you know, and what they do, and they're doing it all at twenty two. <clears throat> so, well, that's part of the reason that they're they've been pushing this evolution so hard because they don't have the ability to go to a thirty cal no. or a thirty five cal. They are by law limited to twenty two. That's the biggest air gun they can use there. Mm -hmm even though they have a really open firearms yeah. culture there. I don't understand the limit <laughs> on yeah. 22 from a legal know. standpoint, but that being said, I believe they're over constrained in that, in that arena, but that has led to the birth of a really remarkable slug. And if anybody hasn't seen that story on YouTube, go find it, go to, go to Matt's channel, his uh his air gun channel and play that video on the evolution of the patriot slug because it's quite remarkable yeah yeah definitely and theirs is more of a pursuit of long distance accuracy not power but having power long distance well power is meaningless if you can't hit what you're aiming at right Correct. i mean you can have all the power in the world and not hit the broad sign of a of a barn, but it, it doesn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. Muzzle energy is great, but if you can't effectively hit something at 100 yards with your slug with the great BC, then it's all for naught. Um, so yeah, they are trying to hit Dassies at at 150, 200 yards with an air gun. And pigeons that's, too. A lot of pigeons. That is balls out for for a hunter to pull that off. Monkeys. That's another cool thing. I mean, how I I'll have to experience it. I can't wait. But these these monkeys uh, in uh, Matt's last video, they're there and then they're gone. And mm -hmm. you have to be very precise where you hit sure. them. 
I mean, unless he pulls out the 22-250 or a 300 win Mac, that's different. <laughs> but with his, uh, but with his impact, the precision, and then the ballistics, and then what it does, the kinetic energy, um, the expansion, all of that is crucial. Because the last thing you want to do is wound an animal, and now he's got to go find it, which he's shooting 100 plus yards anyways. He ain't going to find it. Well, not only is he shooting that distance, but the amount of hazard that exists between him and that mm -hmm. thing that he just hit is no joke. I mean, some of that brush will literally liberate the flesh from your bones on your way. Not to mention the creatures that are lurking uh, <laughs> yeah. down down in that brush uh, can can be an awful lot of not fun uh, adventures there as well. So, uh, hats off to them and what they've got to put up with down there. But um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. This whole desire for more power, more power. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you think back to the to the old days of the hot the hot rod slash muscle car craze you know, phrases like there's no replacement for displacement. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, there is reduce the weight and make it handle right. And you can replace a lot of displacement with that. Uh, and it's funny because in this modern rebirth of the muscle car and the ridiculous things that, that Dodge is doing with their cars Ford is following suit with their cars and Chevy comes out with their answer. And it's the same game of cat and mouse again mm -hmm. with these three brands. But what I challenge everyone to do is look at what's happening to the weight of those vehicles. They are becoming heavier and heavier and heavier. Yeah. I got 1100 horsepower. Well, that's great, but you weigh seven tons. What, what, what did you really gain? And I have a friend who is a, an avid Corvette enthusiast, and he's he just sits back and laughs. He's like, "Y'all just don't get it. You can have all those all those specs in a horsepower, but yet not really have a vehicle that's um, nearly as fun to drive as my Corvette, or will accelerate as fast as my mm -hmm. Corvette." I'm not I'm not here to make a call either way, but I believe that there is um, there is some art in getting the right rifle for your purpose and just blindly pursuing power for the sake of having more power than your, than your cousin, Bob or your neighbor cliff. Correct. Just makes no sense to me, especially if you then have to go to a firearms range to practice with your air gun. I, I don't know. I just don't, uh, don't necessarily follow it, but, um, I do use my 30 caliber impact to bring the heat to my targets to make sure that they will hold up to my customers' desires. And um, I've got a fair bit of practice I've got to do later this week with some new targets that were coming out in the quickie lineup. Um, PJ Clark is actively testing them right now. And as is Tom Adams, um, Tomcat. Mm -hmm. Tom He's also bringing the heat on those as well. And when the three of us have convened and say, hey, we think this is ready for prime time, we're going to roll it out to the Airgun community. And I think you're going to like what we've done. I'm excited. I saw him. I'm like, yeah. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. So that that's exciting. That's exciting. Um, the pursuit of power. It's an ongoing thing. 
It is. Mm. All right. Um, any projects that you've been working on? Now, I remember in a past episode, I think we were chatting a little bit about something about an HW44? I do. What's what's up with that? So initially, it's kind of funny you bring that up because it actually ties back into part of our red dot conversation. I initially put a red dot on that and was really disappointed with the accuracy of that gun scope combination. And the reason was because in a in its pistol configuration, I was not getting accurate registration in the eye box of that scope. So I was not getting accurate place shot placement when I was when I was using it. When I switched over to a traditional optic, granted it was a rifle optic, uh, I got ridiculous accuracy <laughs> with that HW44. And it's it's a uh, technically a second or third or fourth hand gun. It, it went through um, Chad uh, Kettner of American Air Gunner and the Air Gun Advisor channels. Mm-hmm. It went to uh, Rick Ream of Shooter Seventeen Twenty One, and now it's in my hands. And I am trying to get it in shape for pistol class of Hunter Field Target. Mm. And I got to thinking. I've always appreciated the Crossman Seventeen Twenty T, and for those that don't know, that's essentially a P rod in one seven, seven. And it's actually, I think it was purposely built for the pistol class at HFT. Somebody from Crossman, please contact me and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I I'm told that that gun might not be coming back into regular production. And that kind of saddens me mm-hmm. because I thought it was a really cool option for for the hft game uh lothar walther barrel um very 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 nice trigger assembly in that gun it has the uh the p-rod trigger in it which can be if, if you don't like it the way it is which is pretty good you can go in and make a little bit of polishing take place on the contact surfaces on that sear and it becomes magic just a magic trigger <laughs> really easily adjustable and I, while I was at the uh, Midwest Airgun Show, I got to thinking how fun would it be to pitch the two guns against each other? Mm-hmm. You know, wh- which one is the better choice from an accuracy standpoint and from a shot count standpoint for the game of, of Pistol HFT? And I started looking around trying to find uh 1720 and they're main they're made of unobtainium i i couldn't find one anywhere and i got a thank you note from baker air guns from dennis at baker and first of all i was i was absolutely over the over the moon that they thought enough to to reach out and say thank you for attending the midwest air gun show because i was quite thankful to be able to attend the midwest air gun show 
But Dennis and I got to chatting via email and I said, hey, um, you wouldn't happen to have a 1720 available that I could use for a video showcasing kind of a shootout, an accuracy and a usability shootout between the 1720 and the HW44. And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, Bill, I do. <laughs> and I will ship it to you and you can play with it and then just ship it back when you're done. And I am absolutely very, very thankful that he, he thought enough of Target Forge, the channel, me, the individual, to give us the opportunity to take a look at that gun. And I have started the process of culling pellets in it. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that it might shoot those crossmans in the cardboard box. Oh, the brown box. Yes. Yep. Brown box. cardboard box. Mm -hmm. And Patrick, maybe this ties into our discussion about pellets and slugs and power. Could you tell us a little bit about what makes those pellets different than the ones that we get mm -hmm. in the more traditional tin packaging? So first off, it's the molds. Ah. The molds are a lot more precise and you won't get that little line in the them. Party because line. Yeah, because they're made in a two-part mold. Uh, the Crossman premieres in the metal tin. The uh, the brown box are the ones that everyone wants. So it's a lot more precise. They are truly premier. Um, they're very well packed in that cardboard box. They absorb a lot of recoil. Um, they are a harder pellet compared to everything else. They do still have a lot of antimony and tin in them, um, so they don't really deform. Um, How does that affect the skirt? sealing that bore upon uh sending it down the down the fire tube they're pretty snug in the first place okay. so if, okay. and they go in the barrel it's actually squeezing it a little smaller okay so they're a little i, I guess you could say a little oversized okay so, yeah one thing you'll notice when you put them in it's a little harder to push to get them in and that's why well i'm fortunate i believe to have two boxes of those in 177 of two different weights i think so i'm definitely going to throw those in the uh in the pellet cull and see how well they do mm -hmm. i i can say the um um the h&n uh 10.34s i think mm -hmm. those shoot exceptionally well in the hw44 it really likes those and i'm not sure i Maybe I'll get a smaller single hole <laughs> out of that gun with some other pellet, but it literally is a single ragged hole at 30 yards um, with that gun and those pellets. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty well called on the HW44, but uh, that work is just beginning on the 1720, but that will be coming out soon um, as well as the seriously awaited uh, part two of our testing the output of inexpensive air compressors from China, mm -hmm. actually measuring the, what's in that airstream that you're pumping into your two or three or $4,000 air gun. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. So I know someone's going and saying the HW44 is too long for pistol HFT. That is true and false <laughs> at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it is true that 
uh, with the moderator in place. That gun is just a hair over three quarters of an inch beyond the legal limits of pistol HFT, American HFT. And I got around that. <laughs> I, uh, I grabbed that moderator and went down to my, to see my friend who owns billet metal craft in downtown Santa Cruz. And Asher is a, is an amazing old school machinist. Uh, he does have CNC equipment in his shop, but he's also quite talented on a lathe and a mill. And since I lost my mill and my lathe in a divorce many years ago. Uh, I haven't replaced them yet because honestly, it makes moving around the country really challenging when you have uh, a few tons in uh, heavy machine tools. Uh, Asher was able to help me just trim that tube down um, three quarters of an inch. And it is legal to the official measuring stick of the pistol HFT rules by 35 thousandths of an inch. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was under the line, but only just under the line. Uh, now, did so, that affect sound? Uh, not that I can detect. I mean, that thing is still ridiculously effective. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, if when you look at the lineage of those two pistols, side by side um they're both really born of other pistols in mm -hmm. the in the vehicle industry we called those parts bin specials you know where you take a model that you currently make and you you mix up some parts and then oh, hey look we got a new model <laughs> how good is very that true very to very me to me that's a that's a lame excuse for we didn't have enough money to do a proper design so we we just changed some parts and put out another product. That that's probably a little harsh, but the um, HW44 owes its lineage to the HW110, correct? As far as I know, yeah. And most of those parts are directly interchangeable, except obviously for the pistol stock and the air tank uh, and the shorter barrel. But mm -hmm. the mechanism and everything that that makes the the metering happen in that air dispensing unit is identical to the rifle. Yeah. And and with the 1720, um, I mean, gosh, you can see the lineage in almost every Crossman anything uh, when you look at those parts. It's a Franken-gun. Yeah, it, it very much is. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I say, it's pretty much a Marauder, which only ever came in 22, I think. At least the Woodswalker only came in 22. Yeah, yeah, which is also discontinued. Um, yes, sadness. Yeah, only 22. Sadness. It, it is. The the the, the P-Rod uh, pistol is still available, but that Woodswalker, God, it was so popular. I don't understand. Hey, whatever, you know, maybe to come back. Um, but and, and if one person could come back, maybe go on the Facebook group or whatever, and tell me why in the world Crossman got rid of their custom shop. God, I thought that was the coolest freaking thing mm -hmm. ever. I loved going in there and geeking out and building a gun and pressing that spend my hard-earned money button and uh, and getting this custom Crossman out of the other end of that. And I, 
I, it looked like it, it kind of died. Maybe it got the pandemic virus or something. I don't know. I don't know what happened to that crossman. Uh, I don't know. But get on the stick and, and get that back in action again because I'll tell you, as an air gunner, that was a heck of a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it just didn't get enough uptake. I don't know, but I sure liked it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, all right. Um, trying to think of some other things that were going on. Yeah, I think that's pretty much about it right now. Um, the pursuit of power. It still comes down to what's your purpose. Um, final thought on that is, let's be careful, guys. That's my opinion. That's what I. Yeah. That's what I told people. You know that we're selling AEAs. I'm like, oh, we need to be a little careful. We don't need to draw attention. But. Uh, well, and also, be be very cognizant of what you're giving up mm -hmm. going down that road. Yeah. You're giving up. You're giving up backyard friendly. You're giving up backyard safe. Um, you're you're giving up the the economic part yes. of air gunning. It's very yes. expensive. Now yes. you need boosters and all. It's just a lot more expensive. And it's, it's, I got into air gunning cause it's quiet and fun. You yep. know, those big boys, you'll scare the kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, and sometimes those kids need scaring Patrick. I'm very, not, not yeah. going to say they don't. Very true. Very true. All right. Um, well, one thing I, I do want to keep saying is in order to get past the gatekeeper of the Airgun Geeks page on Facebook, just that guy, you, that guy there. you need to answer the questions. The reason the questions are there is to make sure you're not a bot. I also want to thank everyone who's helping me um, moderate it. And when they find someone selling Airgun Geeks gear, I am not selling Airgun Geeks gear yet. We're getting close. Um, so I will announce that on the podcast, and that will make a big announcement in the Facebook page when that's happening, when we have swag and whatnot. Um, thank Tell you for to get off his butt and get it done. <laughs> yeah, I got no choice now. I had some people that are like, oh, that I met in person. So I also appreciate, I, I just want to say, um, when things don't sound right with the podcast. I really appreciate you saying, Hey, it's a little hard to hear or, you know, X, Y, Z, a little bit of an issue. I'm open to criticism all the time, guys and girls. Well, we hired Joe Schmidt as our new quality guy. Yeah. He got fired. What? Yeah. yeah. Joe Schmidt can't hear apparently. So, um, <laughs> we hired P Schmidt, which is me. I forget yeah, got to do it myself for right now. Um, and learn how to use audacity a lot better. <laughs> but I do appreciate that. Um, that was, and the way you put it was very nice. Uh, I, I love the comment. I'm on my tractor trying to listen to you, and I, I really can't hear you when I turn the deck on. Duly noted and fixed that night. <laughs> so appreciate that. Um, keep the comments coming. Uh, we're always looking for topics to talk about. Um, also, I want to mention. Um, if you've never heard of the Isaac Walton Foundation, you really need to look into what they are and what they do. It's all about conservation of nature. We have two chapters here in Ohio, one in Medina and one in Lorraine. Um, I joined for multiple reasons. Uh, I have at the Medina one, it's like 75 or 80 acres 
of just pure nature, walk around, go fishing, camping, just don't destroy the place kind of thing. Um, but what I'm also working on is for local air gun shooters, uh, I'm working on having a fun shoot every, well, once a month is what the goal is. We're getting pretty close to getting it all ironed out. And um, so if you're in the area, uh, of course, I'll let you know when everything's going to happen. Uh, be happy to show up because a percentage of the proceeds um, that I collect for shooting the range and whatnot will go towards the Medina chapter. And then eventually I'll we'll see how it works. And if it works out well, we'll get over at the Lorraine chapter and do it there because there's a lot more members and people on that side of town. And maybe we can get this going across the country because we'll be. Is there a, a Medellin um, chapter, Patrick? In Columbia, uh, maybe. No. If you go to the Isaac Walton Foundation main page, because <laughs> it's worldwide. That was a bad joke. It right? was. Yeah. And I will point out that um, don't use the biblical spelling of Isaac when you're looking for the Isaac Walton Foundation, because you won't likely find it. Google might help you find it. Yeah. But it looks like that spelling is I Z A A K. Is that true or that not? That sounds true? correct. Yeah. I just Googled it and watch the video, learn all about it, and then try and find a local chapter. Because I've been here in Ohio for uh, a little over 43 years. I've never heard of them. And they've been down the street from me an hour for 43 years. And it is wow. a piece of heaven. It is a piece of heaven there. It is so wonderful, so quiet. And nature and, and whatnot, uh, it's it's just amazing. The foundation itself is amazing. So I just wanted to mention that because it's 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 made a pretty good impact on me. And I personally learned of it through Joe Dorian, the Ohio School of Falconry, does his classes there once a month. So there's Walk with the Hawks, and then there's uh, another one uh, where you get to learn all about that. So make sure you check out Joe's Facebook page, Ohio School of Falconry. Um and you'll see Henson and all types of other people having grand old times. They so, are the they are the defenders of soil, air, woods, waters, and wildlife. There you go. Would That's you right say, off that one. Would you say we're the air defenders? I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. <laughs> all right. Uh any any final words of wisdom, Bill, before we go? Well, that would imply that I had words of wisdom at any given point, which I clearly do not. Uh, no, I'm good, Patrick. I'm uh, I'm all talked out this evening. Fantastic. All right. Well, I appreciate everyone taking their time out of their day to listen to Bill and I chat. I appreciate all the comments uh, and criticisms. Uh, we are always open to that. And like always, stay geeky and stay safe.